wrote a book examining three meals. The, the first meal was like a fast food meal. And he wanted to trace what would it be like if I started way back at the beginning of the food chain and look at everything that's involved in growing and developing that food. So he starts out in Iowa cornfields and he goes to feedlots for cattle where they, or where they finish the cattle. And he's checking out all this stuff and then he finishes by eating a McDonald's meal. And then the second meal was like a high-end farm-to-table kind of restaurant. You know, the kind where the chickens are like free everything. They, everything's kind of a perfect conditions on this farm. They slaughter their own chickens. They eat these, these eggs that change seasonally. And they grow all of these different vegetables. And then he goes to a restaurant and he eats that food. But the really interesting one is he was like, what would, have, what would it be like if I made a meal and I grew and killed and developed and did everything in that meal? And so in that one, he had to get somebody to teach him to hunt wild hogs. And then they turned that wild hog into some kind of fancy Italian cured meat. I mean, the fancy kinds I know are like salami and pepperoni. Well, they were making something that I can't pronounce with this wild hog meat. And he like put out a bowl to capture yeast from the air and develop that into sourdough starter and make bread and do different stuff. But he wanted mushrooms to be a part of the meal. And the, the problem he ran into is he didn't know which mushrooms were edible and which ones weren't. So he had to try and find somebody that would show him, how do I go and hunt mushrooms? Where do I hunt and which ones are safe? But he couldn't find somebody that would do it because evidently mushroom hunting is like a really secretive and protective thing. Because if you find a good spot for mushrooms and you tell somebody else about it, you're going to lose out. And so he was asking all of these people that he knew or acquaintances of acquaintances, hey, would you teach me to hunt for mushrooms? He couldn't find anybody that would show him where to go and look for the good stuff. They would, these people that knew the good stuff, like uh, some mushrooms only grow on a hillside after a forest fire, but nobody wanted to show him where that stuff would be. Or, of course, truffles, which people spend millions of dollars to buy. Well, they don't want to share where those are because if you share your secret truffle stash, then you can't find them. And so he was desperately trying to find out, will somebody teach me to hunt for mushrooms? But that hunt for mushrooms became this competition between everybody. And so he had to finally settle for somebody that would show him a little thing in a little place. He couldn't really learn to do mushroom hunting. And I was thinking of that story this week because all of us have things that we hunt for. It's probably something that's a little more mainstream than, you know, boutique mushrooms. But we all have those things that we think, if I can just get this, this is my prize. This is that thing that I need that I'm going to be happy with. This is that thing that's going to set up my life for safety. It could be a retirement account that's big enough, that's reliable enough, that, man, if I can just get to that point, get to retirement, and make sure that I don't have to depend on anybody else, then I'll be okay. It could be a relationship. You go, you know, if I could just get a, a relationship or a series of friendships, that would make everything better. So I, I've got to be on a hunt for that person or those group of people that will make my life safe and good Maybe you just think about the advice you give your kids. You're like, hey, look, life is like this. This is what you've got to go out and get. This is that treasure that you need to find in your life. Today in the book of Proverbs, we're going to be looking at this idea of hunting, of treasure hunting. What is that thing that we have to have? What is that thing that is going to make everything in our life different and better? So go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about what is that thing that is so valuable we should spend our lives hunting to get it. We're going to start with Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, 
you can grab one from the seat back in front of you or you can follow along with the screen. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Let's pray. God, I pray that You will give us Your wisdom today, that You will create in us a burning desire for wisdom. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're in this series in Proverbs. Some of you were here last week. Some of you are new this week. Proverbs can feel like these weird promises, but we always go, well, technically, don't I know somebody that's been somewhere else? One of the things that we learn when we look at Proverbs is Proverbs is not meant to be technically true in every circumstance. Proverbs is instead meant to point us to the truth. It's not legal guarantees from God, but point us to this is what is true. And what we find here in Proverbs chapter 2 is this call, hunt for wisdom. Hunt for wisdom like you would hunt for treasure. There's many things that you can spend your life looking for, but Proverbs 2, from Solomon to his son, says, my son, hunt for wisdom. And what I want to show you today, I'm sorry, so it says hunt for wisdom desperately. It starts here, my son, if. That if is really, really important. Verse 1, my son, if you accept my words. This whole section is if you accept, if you store up, if you turn your ear, if you apply your heart, if you call out for insight, if you look for it as for silver, if you search for it as for hidden treasure. It's this great if that says, you've got to hunt for wisdom. There's going to be something on the then part, but right here the emphasis is on words like receive, accept, store up, turn your ear, apply your heart, seek for it, look for it, search for it like hidden treasure. And so when we come here today saying, what is that thing that I need in my life? Right here, Proverbs 2 says, it's wisdom. Hunt for it. Search for it. The, the, the words that he uses for wisdom are words like insight, understanding, wisdom, commandments, God's words. My, if you accept my words, you store up my commands within you. Apply your heart to understanding. And so this idea is, my son, if, if you hunt for wisdom, if you hunt for understanding, if you go searching for God's Word, there's a promise there. This, this, this whole idea leads to verse 4. That's If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. This whole point, is this, it's almost like if you would be greedy for wisdom, the way that we so tend to be greedy for money. I don't know about you guys, but I've got plans for the money that we have coming in. I've got plans for the money that we have coming in in the next few months. Dreams of things that I want to do, home renovations that I want to do, clothes that I want to buy for my kids, and other things that we want to do around our house. This passage says if you would be greedy for wisdom, the way that you tend to plan out your money, if you would, if you would be searching for, for wisdom and understanding the way that we so tend to plan our retirement accounts. There is this promise here, but what I find that's so amazing is he keeps saying wisdom commands and God's word. It's this idea that would we hunt for treasure in the Bible the way that we hunt for treasure in the world. You see, we give our kids advice about get this kind of job because you can get money. What if we said you should get and pursue this career because you can get wisdom? What if we said, hey, yes, these careers would give you money, but this career might give you wisdom. Spend your life on this because there's there's 
there's great gain to be had in this area of the world. And so the call to each one of us is, will you be greedy for wisdom? Will you set your heart seeking for it as for treasure? Will you hunt desperately for wisdom? What I want to show you here is three treasures that we find when we hunt for wisdom. You see verses 1 through 4 set it up as if you hunt for wisdom. Verses 5 through 22 are going to show us three treasures that we find when we hunt for wisdom. Verses 5 through 8 tell us hunt for wisdom and you will find God. Hunt for wisdom and you will find God. Verse 5 says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For He guards the course of the just and protects the way of His faithful ones. Here it says, hunt for wisdom and you will find God. Right, right there in verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Does it mean a terror? Does it mean I'm afraid? Does that mean I'm scared? The fear of the Lord means regard for the Lord. The fear of the Lord means I think about God and His ways in all things. then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, when we seek for wisdom, it's not just, well, we will get some wisdom. It's that if we seek for wisdom, we will get God Himself because wisdom comes from His mouth. We actually get Him. We are dealing with God Himself in the search for wisdom. Not just, hey, can I have some skill? Can I do some things well? But actually, we end up finding God Himself. Ecclesiastes ends up at this point. You see, one way of looking at King Solomon's life is when he was a young man, he wrote a poem about young love. We call it the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. It's this, this deep love poem. And then Proverbs is like this advice to his son that he writes in middle age. And then after he wanders off into the pagan religions, worshiping other gods, bringing God's judgment on his family, he writes Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. And he says things like, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. You see, at the end of Solomon's life, he realizes that it's actually God that we're dealing with. And he says, now that all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. That in his old age, Solomon who's wandered these, these wild roads ends up realizing that the road of wisdom ends up actually just leading us to God. So the call is, will we actually realize that wisdom, hunting for wisdom, leads us to God Himself? And so will we hunt for wisdom because we want to see God? We want to know God. The second treasure we find when we hunt for wisdom is if we, when we hunt for wisdom, we find protection. Verses 9 through 19 tell us. Can you switch the screen to black screen, please? Verse 9 says, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who, do, who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman 
from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Here in verses 9 through 19, it says hunt for wisdom and find protection. It's finding protection from two sources. It's evil men and wicked, adulterous women. It's not the genders are led to one road or the other. It's just personifying that men will call to us to walk in evil ways. and People will call to us to walk in towards adultery, towards lust, and in towards these things. And so verses 9-19 through 19 say, hunt for wisdom and find protection from that evil call in the world, whatever form that it takes. Because it lays out for us that these ways always lead to destruction and to death. I love verse 11 that says, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom is a guard and a deliverer to our lives. Wisdom is a guard and a deliverer to our lives. You see, we think that, well, if I just get all of the decisions right, I won't have to be protected. But when we find that fear, fear of the Lord, that regard for the Lord is actually the beginning of wisdom, then we find that that regard of the Lord, that wisdom that we've been seeking becomes a guard and protects us from going in these different roads that want to lead us astray. We call this series Wisdom and Folly because there's always two roads. This, the road of wisdom and the road of folly. And it's so easy to find ourselves walking in this way that feels good, this way that, that, that seems to connect with what I want to do. But wisdom becomes a protection because it leads us in a different direction. The... Uh, the last couple of years, we've taken door hangers around Belgium a few times. And this last time, one of the things I noticed is that more and more houses have security doorbells with cameras built into them. Some of the, the newer neighborhoods in particular, 75% of the houses are now built with multiple cameras trained on the walkway and the driveway leading up to it. And so I, I would often go, do I need to keep my sunglasses on? Should I take them off? Do I need to wave? What am I going to do here? Because these people have seen that I've gotten here before I even put the door hanger on their door. They got a picture taken and sent to them. I, I realized that in a community where all of us, it's so easy to travel, we travel to grocery shop, often people travel outside of town, that we often don't know what's happening at home. And so to protect ourselves, we can put in, it's so easy to put in a camera, a camera doorbell, different things that are going to protect you. But here in this passage, it says if you want protection on your life, not just your property, you need wisdom if you need protection. But a, security might protect your, a security camera might protect your property, but wisdom is going to be the thing that keeps you from destruction. And so maybe you're a parent here today and go, and if you're like me, you go, there are so many decisions to make, and I don't even know how to make them all. Do I give my kids phones? Do I not give them phones? When do I give them a phone? What are they allowed to do? Where are they allowed to go? What, what am I allowed them to do? Do I discipline this act? What about this attitude? What do I do in this difficult circumstance? The truth is, folly as a parent leads to destruction of us and our kids. But wisdom protects us. So we go, God, what am I supposed to do as a parent? I, there, there's these evil ways that I'm so tempted in my heart or messages around me to say this is acceptable and this is normal. But here, 
when we hunt for wisdom as parents, we will find protection in our parenting. Protection on our own lives and protection for our kids. It points us to this, this promise, wisdom will protect you. And the search for wisdom is good. Maybe there's some other area of your life that you're like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. Proverbs 2 says, hunt for wisdom and you will find protection from the folly that so easily destroys. And the third treasure that we find when we hunt for wisdom is hunt for wisdom and find a future. Hunt for wisdom and find a future. Verses 20 through 22 says, Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Verses 20 through 22 says, hunt for wisdom and find a future. You and I both want legacies. You see, if you're a boomer, if you're nearing retirement, often the question is, has my life counted for something? If I quit doing this job, will it mean something? Do the relationships that I have with my kids, are they going to last longer than this life? If you're younger, if you're finishing high school or finishing college and going, what am I going to do next? I want to do something that counts for something. I want, to, I want my life to matter. I want to leave a legacy. This says hunt for wisdom. and You will find that future. You will find a legacy. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. So you and I, don't, we don't want destruction. We don't want our lives to be cut off and nobody remembers us and nothing else matters. How are we going to leave the kind of legacy and the kind of difference that we want to make? Let's hunt for wisdom. Search for wisdom and you will find a legacy. So you want a legacy, wisdom's going to lead there. You want your life to matter for something? Wisdom leads there. Not money, not pleasure. Not popularity, it's wisdom that leads us there. But if you're like me, you read this passage and you go, okay, well, this is kind of motivating, but it really judges me at the same time. Because so often I don't hunt desperately for wisdom. Instead, I hunt desperately for techniques. Instead, I hunt desperately to try and control my life. If I can just get control and make everybody and everything in my life work the way that I want it to work, then my life will turn out the way that I want it to turn out. So where's the good news for those of us that don't hunt desperately for wisdom? Where's the good news for those of us that haven't tried to find God and find protection? We've instead made ourselves God, tried to protect ourselves, and make our own legacies. What we see in the book of Luke says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Like Jesus is the exact embodiment of this call in Proverbs 2. Hunt for wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Living his entire life in the fear of God with regard for the Lord. And yet, he fully embodies verse 22. Living out, the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Jesus lived the obedient part of this and then died with the judgment of the wicked. And was raised back to life so that you and I don't have to bear the judgment of our folly. So that you and I don't have to just walk around saying, well, I wish I could do better. Instead, we can go, Jesus did and lived the wisdom that I should live. And then He died with the judgment and the destruction that I should die. And we can trade. 
He did all of that and was raised back to life so that I can trade my folly and destruction for His wisdom and perfection. So then I have His power living on the inside where I can hunt for wisdom and know that when I find God, I won't find destruction. Instead, I will find hope and protection in the future. If you're saying, Joe, how does that happen? How do I know for sure that I've made this trade with Jesus? This is, the, this is the story that Jamie and Ellie and Micah have lived out before us today. That God made the world and He made it very good. And He said, you will be my little kings and I will be the great king over you. And Adam and Eve and Jamie and Ellie and Micah and me and you have said, no, we will not live with you as our great king. We will live our own lives. We will do our own thing. God, you answer to me. The Bible says that God will one day judge all of His enemies. This passage talks about the judgment that wicked people will one day face. But instead of leaving us as His enemies, the Bible says that Jesus lived the life we should live, died the death that evil men should die, and was raised back to life so that He can trade His life for ours. The Bible says that that becomes ours when we repent of sin and trust in Christ. When we give up our own ways, our own rebellion, our own things, And we trust in Christ alone to save us. If you're like, hey, I want to do that. Come and grab me. Grab the person that brought you. If you're like, I have repented of sin and trusted in Christ, but I've never been baptized. I've never done what they've done, but I want to identify with Jesus and say, I belong with Jesus. Come and grab me. This is a really good day. We've already got warm water. But the issue here is, will, will you and I give up our own rebellion, our own folly, and take Jesus' wisdom and all of the promises and all of the future that that holds? And then we can begin to imagine, what does that look like in my life for me to live out wisdom? Not because I'm trying to outrun destruction, but because destruction has been destroyed in my life. And instead, I can live in the fear of God, finding Him and finding His protection and finding His future. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that you give us your wisdom. And instead of expecting us to outrun our own folly and destruction, you bear that in our place so that we can walk into wisdom without fear. In Jesus' name, amen.